Welcome, my badass friends, to this episode of the Badass Ladies Club. My name's Laurie, and I'm here with my friend Jessica. Hey, guys. And we are so excited to be bringing you today's uh, talk about the four agreements. My One of my idols, Don Miguel Ruiz, um, wrote this amazing book so many years ago, and it has uh, really been a huge influence in my world ever since I first picked it up. Um, so we're really excited to get into that with you today. But first, we've got a really awesome Badass of the Week to tell us about. Yeah, so our Badass of the Week is a really good friend of ours named Gary Walden. I have personally known Gary since I was little. I'm dating him and myself here, but... Um, I grew up watching Gary do my mom's hair and um, he's been a mentor to me throughout my life. And when I decided to go into the beauty business, he became even more of a mentor to me. He's extremely involved in the beauty industry and um, extremely involved in fashion. He has impeccable fashion sense. He's stylish, and there's no doubt. Yeah. Yes. And he is also um, a man of faith, an activist, completely empathetic and understanding. And, you know, he was one of the first ones who, when I decided to get into the beauty industry, when I didn't want to go to college anymore, you know, he just told me like, you know, Jessica, you have to be really up to date on everything going on. And you have to be able to take a step back and understand where everyone is coming from around you because so many people are going to be talking to you about so many different things. Who knew that we would be in a pandemic and the weight of that conversation, you know, that he had with me when I was 20 years old um, and what that means to me now, because those words have never left me. Um, But Gary has also been a beacon of light in the industry in other ways. He's very involved in charities. Um, He has um, been involved both Politically, but also, you know, um, with raising money for clean water, which is so sacred to the Aveda world. Um, He is just so wonderful. And we would be so honored if Gary would join us on the podcast. Absolutely. I, you know, Gary a lot better than I do, but even before I knew Gary, I knew of Gary. Like he's kind of this like icon in the DFW beauty business, you know, like everybody knows Gary Walden. So yes, get on the show. We can't wait to have you on. Absolutely. Uh, So Let's Can talk. we talk real quick yeah. about we're in a new studio space oh, and yeah. shout out to our producer, Paul. Guys. We're so proud of you. Um, this is a beautiful space and we're so excited to be here. Well, creating anything in a creative uh, aspect, you got to have like a good team and a good environment to feel it. But there is some massive great energy coming out of this space. Like yes. I am so uh, excited to keep uh, carrying on the Badass Ladies I Club uh, podcast here. It's kind so. of given me this new like energy vibe. Pep in my step. Yeah, it's good. Because I was I really like tired when I got here. <laughs> but but I'm really great. excited now. <laughs> like so, okay, now we can now talk we about can go the four to agreements. Agreements. Okay, good. <laughs> um, so the four agreements is not a new book. No, it's old. It's old. And um, it is based on Toltec wisdom, which is also very old, you know. Ancient. Ancient. Um, and before we get into, like, what the four agreements are, 
I remember the first thing that really hit home with me when I read it was this idea that when you're small, that your whole perspective of the world is what's given to you through your environment, your family, your schooling structure, your faith structure, you know, that every bit of your understanding is something that you didn't know anything. And those things were handed to you and you adopted them as they were your own. Um, But as little beings grow up, you know, like, when do you start to separate, oh, what do I believe versus what What I was given to believe, you know, and that a lot of the things that I was given to believe are wonderful, beautiful things. But I just thought that they were the way things had to be. Mm-hmm. And that the four agreements was the first time that I was like, oh, wait, I get to decide what yes. I believe. I don't have to just believe what was handed to me. That in and of itself is a giant epiphany. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit. Just that understanding of like you're the one that gets to decide what you believe regardless of what was handed to you. Right. I like the four agreements because it kind of... When you read it, it forces you to take some responsibility in how you respond to things versus react to things. And I didn't read the four agreements until, well, I don't remember the year exactly, but it was early on in my beauty career, but I was already working for William Edge. So I was probably a few years in. Um, And... It definitely helps me behind the chair, but it also helps in my personal orbits as it helps well. In life, yeah, for, yeah, with everything. life in general. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like it because it allows you are in control yeah. of how you're going to live. Well, in this whole principle and Toltec wisdom that you know, life is inevitable, but that suffering is optional. Absolutely. And so the four agreements were put there to help you with the suffering part of life. You know, that there are things that are going to happen that you're not going to be able to control, you know, and they may be really terrible things that are happening, but your suffering about those things is absolutely in your hands. And that is, um, it, and that is not an easy thing to wrap yourself around, you know, but it's definitely something that, uh, I have come to understand at a greater level. So, And I think that we'll probably do these in order. I'm sure there's an order. But the first agreement is is, um, be impeccable with your word. Yes. Words got power. Words have power. To be impeccable with your word means to never use the power of word against yourself. Now, when I first heard be impeccable with your word, I imagined it to be, um, you know, about other people. But it can also be. About yourself. All of the above, yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you're impeccable with your word, you never betray yourself. You never use the word of gossip about yourself or to spread emotional poison by gossiping about other people. Total. I mean, okay. <sighs> um, so words, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about words in a positive respect as far as like positive affirmations and um, saying kind things about yourself and not talking down about yourself. You know, like mainly it's internal self-talk kind of things. But being impeccable with your word, I think, hits home so much with in today's world being 
sarcastic or saying things like it's or like that self-deprecation right, humor that it's funny or yeah. that um, or that there's a humility to it. But in the four agreements, they really talk about this idea that what you put out in words slash thoughts, you know, is what you're sending out to the universe that you want to see more of. So if your funny haha is about how the world's going to hell in a handbasket and there's nothing any of us can do about it uh, besides just go out and have drinks and deal with it, like, well, that's your reality. Then I that's guess. what you're creating, you know, and that, um, and that being impeccable with words also means like, but you have to believe what you say. And how I catch myself, how often I say things that I don't really mean. Right. Like my go-to for myself, if I'm speaking about myself in a self-deprecating mm -hmm. way, it's like, I'm such an idiot. You and say you it all the time. all the time. Yeah. Stop saying that. Right. Um, or, you know, when you see your girlfriends posting pictures of themselves on Instagram, have you ever seen this? And their caption will be something negative about the picture that no one would ever notice. Like, yeah. I look fat in this shirt or my nail is chipped or, right. you know, and yeah. you're like, why, why do you do that? Why would Stop you even call attention that? to that? Yeah. Like no one notices or cares. The other interesting part about being impeccable with your word that I still struggle with regularly is like making, um, making promises to yourself. Mm. I'm not going to do this or I am going to do that. And then I don't do it or I do it, you know, and that when you don't, keep promises to yourself, that's using your words against you, you know, and that when you speak something out into the universe that you stand by that. So if you tell somebody that you're going to do something for them, that you follow through and you do those things. Um, but just having empty words that have no action or weight behind them is not being impeccable with your word. It adds a, um, I don't know, a reverence and an importance to what you say where normally I think sometimes we don't even really realize how powerful our words actually are. But by nature of the four agreements, it's one of the most powerful creating aspects you have as a creator of your life is to make sure that your words have that intention and power and you mean them and you follow through on them and you give them the respect that they deserve. Yeah, that your words hold a lot of power and weight. Yeah, And, you know, I mean, I do believe that you know, words only do so much that action is where yep. things happen, but it all starts with words. Yeah. Well, and you can't take actions on things that you haven't put out into right. the universe, into you know, like, yeah, yeah, that's your first step of creating yeah. it. So yeah. Step one, be step impeccable one, with that word. Be impeccable with your word. The second agreement Ugh, is, my um, don't take anything personally. Well, like this one. We, like, <laughs> this is hard for me. It is really hard, but we have talked about this lightly, you know, through other episodes yeah. that we've done that nothing is about you. Really? <laughs> it's about, yes. Okay. That anything anyone does is not about you. It's about themselves and the story that they are living and telling themselves. Right. So... Don Miguel uses in the book this example of like everybody is the director of their own movie. Okay. So like your life experience is your movie and you're the director of that movie. And then, you know, all the people around you, they're watching their own movie. They're the director of their movie. And that because your perspective is different and you're living in your own circumstances, that's why people are not doing their, their movie doesn't have anything. You're a side character. 
in their movie. You're not the hero anymore, you know? And um, that perspective-wise, that helped me when I was like, oh, it's not about me because they're not even watching this show. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, they're on a different channel watching a different show altogether. Um, but I'm not going to lie, like it doesn't keep my crabby cancer feelings from getting stomped all over, you know? Like, I have you to remind cancers, myself that it's not personal. Like, that's not why people are doing things. Um, even though, because we're, I'm an ego-driven animal, you know? Like, it's so second nature for me to immediately have this reaction that it has something to do with me. But let's talk about the power of not taking things personally, because as hard as that lesson has always been for me, it's also been one of the most freeing parts of this book. Yeah. What I like about what he says is if you don't take it personally, you are immune to the middle of hell. (laughs) Yes, Don Miguel. Okay. Like that if you're not taking it personally, then nobody can do anything. Then you know, it's not about you and you can let go of the attachment, the pain, the suffering that comes with you thinking that people are doing anything because of you in the first place. That's so much anxiety, yeah. like unnecessary anxiety that we put ourselves through when we take things personally oh, that know. Yeah. you know, and it it is difficult. It's definitely not easy, but it's necessary. Yeah. Like so when then this also comes back to that whole, like, life is happening for you, not to you. Yeah. You know, like, that um, we interact with people all the time, you know, and that everybody makes choices and that sometimes those choices you like and sometimes you don't like them, but that it's uh, that everybody's got their own independent reason for making decisions and that those decisions are based on what they believe is best for them in those circumstances. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, don't take anything personally is maybe the hardest out of all of them, I think, for uh, for me to grasp. I'm still working on that one. The next one's the hardest for me. Okay, so let's talk about it. Um, don't make assumptions. Oh, That's uh, the hardest for me, which I think that don't make assumptions and don't th- take things personally. Like, uh, they're very parallel and, like, line up next to each other. But to not make assumptions is extremely difficult for me. So the don't make assumptions part is that if you think you know why something is happening, then your entire movie and or perspective, you know, like if we're going back to this uh, idea, is based on what you think you know. And everything is skewed from that because oftentimes that's not at all what it's about in the first place. Like, and there's a whole thing like you make assumptions, you make an ass out of you and me, you know, like yeah. um, my perception of a situation when I'm making assumptions is so much worse, more dramatic, more intense than it ever happens to be in real life when I find out what's actually going on. Um Well, because your mind goes to so many places and not only does it go to so many places, but it goes so far out into the future that you're worrying about shit that one isn't even an immediate threat to whatever is happening. And two, like you're just putting yourself through hell without finding out the facts. Well, and you may not ever find out the facts. Like there are some things that you just have to like not make an assumption, don't take it personally and then move forward and be okay with the not knowing. 
Yeah. That doesn't mean you might not ever know. That sucks. But yeah, like By the way. that uncertainty thing is really difficult, you know, to grasp a hold of. And I think as humans, sometimes we're just like, okay, so I'm just going to assume this is what's happening. And um, oftentimes that will lead you to other decisions that don't really serve you. Yeah. And I know that from my experience as a hairdresser behind the chair, you know, there's the whole saying of don't judge a book by its cover, mm-hmm. which being in the beauty business, I really love that. Yeah. But I am guilty as hell, especially in this extremely politically driven environment that we are living in these days, that based on some of my conversations with people, well, whether it be behind the chair or not, I'm trying to figure out what you do, who you voted for, what your morals and ethics are, what your beliefs are. And what I love when the universe slaps me with a lesson in that is that there are people who I don't agree with politically who are so badass and awesome Mm -hmm. and have shown me so much grace that I'm like, shame on you, Jessica, for assuming that they would be one way. Well, that's also part of this like binary choice that everybody's in, uh, especially if you're talking about politics, you know, um, which is almost impossible not to try and draw a line after the last, you know, 12 months that everybody's survived through that. There's so much more than just your assumptions about what people believe, think, feel, have, you know, like that um, why anybody believes anything is really none of my business, you know, and that making assumptions about who I think you are just based on whatever interaction I have with you is so short-sighted when it comes to really trying to like understand and embrace people. And that is something that I feel like we've talked about a little bit is that it's really hard to hate people from up close. Yeah. You know, like that if you lean in and you get to know them, um, that's really where the magic is. And then it doesn't matter when you don't believe the same way about anything, because there's a lot more that connects you and makes you the same than makes you different 99.999% of the time, you know? Um, so yeah, not making assumptions about people I think is big. I also think that making assumptions about when I say myself, I don't mean like me, but I mean, like, Sometimes I make assumptions about what I'm capable of Mm. or about... um, I do that a lot. About a project or Mm -hmm. about something that I want to learn to do. Like I assume that I just can't do it or I won't be very good at it, you know? And that you have to limit the assumptions you're making about your own capabilities because we're capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit for. It's that fear of being bad at it or it not working out or it not coming out to this perfect plan like you want your end result to be that you just assume that it's better not to try at all, you know, and that making assumptions about our personal abilities, I feel like is a big piece of that. Yeah. Um, what it says here is assumptions are nothing more than lies that we are telling ourselves. This creates a big drama for nothing because we don't really know if something is true or not. Oh my gosh. Like through the heart. Right. Do you know it? Like know it. Right. And if you know it, how do you know it? And most of the time you're not going to know it, you know, like how many well, things are assumptions. And that kind of is in line with, um, we were having a conversation earlier today about thinking versus believing. Oh my gosh. Yes. Thanks, Deborah Neal. <laughs> right. Thanks, Deborah Neal, who has been a lovely guest on this podcast. So but, awesome. Um, it was a definite light bulb moment for me when she said that, yeah. um, that 
thinking uh, can help you um, grow and reimagine and recreate things rather than just being stuck in a belief. And sure, there are maybe some situations where beliefs are extremely important. I'm not like downplaying sure. that, but um, uh, but the one thing that she, I mean, the thinking versus believing thing hit home for me. But the one thing that really made me grasp a hold of that and take it to heart was when she pointed out. How many things in your lifetime did you believe in that turned out not to be true? So many. <laughs> oh my gosh. So many things that I truly believed that then when life and experience came, I realized that, oh, that's not real. That wasn't the truth. That wasn't the... And so in those situations, if I had chosen to use my critical thinking rather than my hardcore belief, um, how different things could have potentially turned out. And like you said, beliefs are important, but I don't want to get into a space where I believe anything at the cost of deciding to not think about it. Yeah. I think that's where we get into this cultural thing where things get pushed to the fringes and get really extreme all of a sudden is when I'm not willing to let go of my beliefs for anything and let's not have an educated conversation about it. Don't give me any information that fits outside of my beliefs because that's that's offensive to me. And that those things are what create the toxicity as as opposed to, you know, if, if I hold a belief really close to my heart and I'm having a conversation and thinking about it, that shouldn't challenge my belief if that belief is true. Mm hmm. It's only when your belief is on shaky ground and it's founded in something that isn't really grounded that you should be threatened by critical thinking around it. And can we go off topic a tiny bit? We're already like, way we're off just, topic. Okay, like, let's well, do we're it. We're just <laughs> taking a little. No, but it has to do with thinking and believing. Okay. Um, so I don't even think I've really told you this story yet, Laurie. So Adelaide, um, a couple of weeks ago was asking me where babies come from. Oh, good. Not how they got there, <laughs> just how they're born, <laughs> literally how they're born. And, um, you know, I was trying to like play it down and keep in mind, my daughter is four and a half years old. So I didn't want to get into the nitty gritty details. She doesn't need to know all that. Actually, I did text you about this. I remember this yes, vaguely, vaguely, but, um, but she wouldn't let it go. She kept on asking me, well, do they come from our belly buttons? And I'm like, sure. You know, I'm just trying to be like really vague and not go into it. We're in the general area. She saw through my bullshit and she would not let it go. And she kept on asking and asking, but how do they come from our belly buttons? How mom, how, how, how? And I was like trying to, you know, distract her and she just wouldn't let it go. And what came to my mind was this conversation that I heard with Dax Shepard. Um, he was on Whitney Cummings yeah. podcast and they were talking about like his daughter's critical thinking skills and how that curiosity and thinking that that is the last thing you want to squash in a child. Yes, And so I just took a moment and I was like, okay, Jessica, you can do this. You can totally explain this in a four-year-old appropriate way. So I did. And I said, well, you're not totally wrong. Some babies do come from mommy's bellies. Yeah. And the doctor has to cut open the mommy and, you know, the baby comes out. But sometimes babies are also born from mommy's private parts. And she <laughs> oh, did this blank stare. <laughs> 
for like a solid 10 seconds and goes, but how do they cut open? Like, I totally thought that the private part thing would like right. blow her mind. She didn't even care. Skipped right like, over it. Skipped yeah. right over it. Didn't care. Didn't ask questions. But she wanted to know about cesareans. <laughs> like, you were making assumptions about what she was going to be tripped up on, weren't you? Yes, uh-huh. I was totally making yeah. an assumption that the, that the whole like vaginal birth thing would be like way too much, which right. I didn't use that word. I, you know, like I kept it super general, but it just, it was like both sides. Like I was making an assumption that one, that she would just buy my general answer of right. sure babies come from belly buttons and um but I also don't want Adelaide to move through the world having these beliefs of me like sure you have to keep some things age appropriate but I also want to be honest with my yes. kids and I don't want her moving through the world with these beliefs and assumptions because that's what my mom told me well and if you just squash that critical thinking brain that she has going on where she knows that that's not quite adding up what you're telling her. And so she wants to keep asking questions. If you dismiss that part of her, then eventually she thinks that that's not important for her to ask those hard questions and to go there, you know, like you and I have had these conversations before where you and I are really, really bad at just accepting things for what they are. Yes. And we don't ask questions. And so we assume that things are one way and we'll do it that way for years. And we've been conditioned to do that. That is, that's what I'm so encouraged about with, and you know, most of my exposure to young children is just my friend's children. But these little people I see coming up in the world are given so much more rope now as far as the critical thinking and the learning and finding out the way things really are without all the smoke and mirrors, you know? And, you know, you were talking about when Dax Shepard was talking about it on Whitney Cummings, like he was talking about Santa Claus, Mm -hmm. you know? And that it's, um, that it's hard when they get smart enough that they see through your bullshit lies. And they're like, wait a minute, mom, that doesn't add up. And that at four and a half Adelaide's already like, uh, 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 Tell me more about cutting open tummies. Like, I need to know about this. Uh, she's going to be a doctor or a maybe. surgeon or something amazing. Like, maybe uh, she'll be great. I'm she'll a, be I'm great excited. at whatever she does. Yeah. Anyway, back on track back on with it. four agreements. Yes. So we have be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions. Okay. Um, the last one is kind of my favorite. Yeah. Um, always do your best which seems kind of like, obviously, you always do your best. Um, But what I love so much about always do your best is that if you're always doing your best, then you don't have to fear that you could have done more. Mm -hmm. There's no, like, when you half-ass something, then you know that it wasn't your best and And you you kind of have that gross feeling in it. Yeah. But it also gives you permission, like, that if you're not good at something then just do your best. And it's okay that you're not good at it, you know? Like, um, uh, and when you don't do your best, how you're the one that's really suffering. So if you're doing something that you don't really want to do and you're not fully into it, that it's, you're ultimately the person who's going to walk away with the short end of the stick there. Right. I mean, you're robbing yourself and probably everyone else around you because you're probably being a miserable 
asshole. Yep. Like, you know, yeah. that um, you're kind of robbing yourself and everyone of like great energy and joy around whatever you're doing. But what I also love about the always do your best conversation that was a really big light bulb moment for me is like I put a lot of pressure on myself, which is human nature. All of us do it, but that your best changes from day to day and on days where you're not feeling well, your best is going to be different from days where you wake up and you're into it and a hundred percent and you're feeling great that you kind of have to give yourself grace to allow that your best is going to be different depending on your circumstances and that no matter what, your best is good enough. Yes. And I know that has, um, that's really been, so for example, in meditation, that there are times that I can do a 10 minute meditation and be like totally in the zone from the second I start, you know, until the second that it's over and I'm floating and I'm zenned out and it's great. But then I can also have meditations where like every 30 seconds I can't, focus, you know, and I'm thinking about grocery shopping or what I need to do when I get done or all of these. And then that the meditation sessions where I can't focus and I feel like I'm doing a bad job are just as good as the ones where I feel like I did a good job, you know, like I was doing the best I could at the time that I had. And it's the practice of it that is important. And that's true of learning a new skill or that's true in working out if you're lifting weights or you're, whatever it is that you're doing, like all you can do is your best. Um, and that even if that's not quote unquote good, you know, that it's still exactly where you're supposed to be. Right. I mean, take creating anything, anything, whether it be like painting a picture, doing a haircut, creating a podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, um, our best, especially like, let's do the podcast conversation. Like our best has changed depending on our schedules for the week. Yes. And that this is a really emotionally heavy time in the world and at work and behind the chair. And that there are days where we don't have the emotional capacity to do it, you know? And, um, then, you know, I get into this guilt, like, oh, I really need to like spend every waking moment that I have on the podcast when I'm like, no, it's okay to like, that sometimes doing your best is a self-care yes. ritual or, you know, there's and a lot of ways around that conversation. You can't do your best if you're not taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny that you brought up self-care because... We ha we're working on an episode right now about self-care coming up that we'll record, I don't know, sometime soon. Um, but I started to think, I do think maybe this came out of a meditation that I did last week or something, that when I really started to get real about taking care of myself and not feeling guilty about taking, like, I've always been good at taking care of myself, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'll drop a hundred bucks on a massage or I'll go do, you know, like I'm down to do the self-care but then I equally felt badly either about like if self-care was something that I spent money on, I felt bad about spending the money. If self-care was about taking a nap instead of doing work on the podcast, I felt bad about taking the nap. Mm -hmm. If self-care was just 
being still, you know, for a few minutes and making time for me that the guilt almost canceled out and negated the self-care that I was putting into it. But that, and this has been a recent thing for me, I'm going to say maybe in the last six to eight months that I've put my own needs first and that that is transforming my life. You know, it's transforming how I work. It's transforming the results that I get from my work. And before I got in this headspace that like it was ultimate priority to take care of Laurie first, that it's because I'm doing it that all of these amazing things are happening around me, you know, like, and before I would have thought it was in spite of. So if I take care of myself, I'm not going to be able to give as much to all of these things that need my attention and they're going to fail. They're not going to be as successful as they could be because I should be spending time on the work and not on me. But now I'm really understanding that spending the time on me and doing what I need to do to take care of myself doesn't do anything but improve the work and make all of it so much more fruitful and um, and things happen faster and more efficiently because I'm taking care. And that is, uh, I was like, dude, I think maybe I can write a book on this. Like I definitely can talk about it on the podcast for a few hours, you know, that taking the time to do what you need to do to look out for yourself makes you a better employee, makes you a better boss, makes you a better mom, makes you a better friend, you know, like it makes you better at all things, but that's not the same if you're doing it and then feeling bad about it later. Mm -hmm. You have to do it and feel great about it and intend to continue to do it and only take better and better care of yourself, you know? And I think like the toxic workaholic in me fought that for a lot of years, you know, and that I can't do my best if I'm not taking care of myself before I take care of all of those other things. Yeah, I definitely feel that. Um, and there's a lot I want to say about that, but I probably want to save it for the self-care episode we'll so that it. I'm not like repeating myself, but yeah, I, you and I have grown a lot. We're doing good, Jessica. We're, we're doing good. <laughs> we're doing good. Um, that um, I, I probably wouldn't recognize Laurie and Jessica eight years ago, nope. the workaholics that almost took pride in draining ourselves yeah. dry. Yeah. That we wore it as like this armor of look at me. Look what I can do. Look what I can do. And now I'm like, Psh. I don't have time or energy to do that right now. Well, and that ultimately that doesn't make us better at any of those things, you know, like that it's uh, honestly, it made me resentful. Yeah. It made me resentful of other people who did take care of yes. themselves and could still put out badass work. Yeah. And I was like, I'm over here killing myself. Killing myself. Yeah. And, but I'm the better one because I'm the one sacrificing you know, my lunch, my health, yeah. my, you my know, sleep, like my, my sleep. sanity, like, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that, I'm going to have to save some of that for a self-care episode. It's coming. I feel it. Yeah. So when we did ask our listeners and viewers about the four agreements and which ones they felt like were the hardest to keep and the results are in, I'm not unique here that don't take anything personally is the hardest agreement for our listeners um, to, to grasp, you know, mm -hmm. that 
in general, not taking things personally is hard on lots of us. So, um, so there's that. And then which agreement was your favorite, uh, came back as always do your best was the listener's, um, favorite agreement, which, um, in all honesty is probably the easiest one out of all of them, you know, to, to fulfill because we all let our words run amok sometimes. And yeah, we all obviously make assumptions and take things personally. Um, so, and I don't remember like what the incentive at the end of the book is, but just keeping these four agreements present in your world. I know I've done the post-it thing where I'll write one of them on a post-it note and I'll put them like on the mirror in the bathroom or on my dashboard in my car or wherever it is that I need visual reminders of the four agreements that anytime I feel that stir inside of me that is uh, upset or has discomfort that if I can file through those agreements and figure out which one I'm not embracing then it's easier to back out of that yuck feeling and understand what's going on inside of me. Um, Or, you know, joke, like anytime I want to leave and go get French fries, like, okay, why do I want the French fries? You know, like it's probably not because I'm hungry. It's because I have this uncomfortable feeling going on. Which agreement am I not holding true to right now? But French fries are life, Laura. I mean, I know. I love French fries. And if I'm hungry, I want the French fries. (laughs) But I guess what I'm saying is like when my coping mechanisms kick in, when I want to eat French fries in my car on the way home on my way to dinner, why do I want French fries? And it's usually because I'm not representing one of these right. agreements. It's, a it's an emotional response yeah, that I have. Something else. Um, it's not a French fry deficiency. It's that I need to deal with whatever it is that I'm not paying attention to. I don't know, Laurie. Like, okay. I mean... Do you remember when I was pregnant and I ordered a side of French fries with everything? You still I kind of do that though. Oh, right? I know. I still, I still kind of do it, but no, like I would go to an Italian restaurant yes. and order spaghetti and be like, can I have a side of fries with that? It was the funniest I thing French fries. because I, all I wanted to do when you were pregnant was feed you. And <laughs> it was pretty much like French fries and house salads with ranch, no tomatoes. Like yes. that always <laughs> made of it. fries and house salads. Like was, I know. Um, so I wanted to say this, um, if you are, interested listeners in reading the four agreements by Don Miguel highly recommend it's a book that changed my life I will say it's wordy and it's deep Toltec wisdom is deep yeah if you are not in a grounded enough place to get into a really deep wordy version of that like the full version is I I don't know, it may be on, I don't know, Amazon or something, but there is a tiny, and when I say tiny, I mean physically like palm-sized book of the four agreements that is kind of like the spark notes, like the cliff notes. It goes through each agreement and it's just the important stuff. And it says everything that the original book says, just in a more condensed version. And I... I got through that way easier than this long drawn out, you know, it's cerebral when, yeah. yeah, Like when Don Miguel does it and it's, um, there are lots of different four agreements formats, you know, like I know that they have like the daily cards and there's a tear off calendar and there's a, you know, like you can find it everywhere on everything in whatever form or medium you consume that kind of stuff in it's out there for you. Um, but what I do know is that it is, 
really, really impactful when you're ready to let go of the suffering, you know, and um, just like everything else that we tend to talk about, I feel like on this podcast, it, that nobody's perfect, uh, that none of us are living the four agreements all day, every day to a T. Every day, like you just kind of got to go through your day and pick moment by moment, mm -hmm. which one is in rotation. <laughs> but what's power, though, is when you do recognize that feeling and you are like, everything. okay, so I am taking this personally. Maybe I'll choose not to. And then just see what that feels like, There's you know, power in that. And then you realize that that feels really good to let go of the responsibility of being upset about other people's perceptions that you're assuming you know anything about, you know, and uh, that there's a real freedom to this. Uh, well, and it goes back to responding versus reacting. Yes. You know, if you just stop, take a step back and be like, OK, let me get a full picture here, a panoramic full picture. What is going on? Am I making assumptions? Yeah. Am I taking this personally? Whew. OK, let's take a minute. Yeah. That um, life is a lot easier when you can take a step back and pause. Absolutely. So um, we should probably take a minute to mention that we are always so grateful and excited when we see things like new reviews that I've noticed have gone up on the podcast. Um, anytime that you guys leave comments or you're liking posts or you're sharing the Badass Ladies Club on your stories and letting people know that um, you're inspired and interested in these conversations, uh, I just cannot say enough about how much that helps. So if you would like to, we would invite you to go and like us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, uh, hit up badassladiesclub.com and see what's happening because there's a lot of really exciting things coming. Um, share it with anybody that you feel like needs to know. And if you liked this episode, then get on, uh, let's do Instagram. Why don't you get on our Instagram and let us know what you think about the four agreements and the ways that that's impacting your life. I'd love to hear that. Me too. Awesome. Well, thanks guys. Uh, we'll check you next time. Thank you. Thank you.